Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Christina Darnell in for Natasha Cowden this week, also coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, the family charged with using a fake church to promote its fake COVID cure has been sentenced, and we'll have some details. Also, Tim Ballard, the hero behind the anti-trafficking movie Sound of Freedom, has himself been sued for sexual assault. And our Ministry Watch guide for giving to relief efforts in Israel. We begin today with news that Tommy Nelson, and he's the best-selling author and longtime pastor of Denton Bible Church in Dallas, has announced plans for his retirement. Nelson made his announcement in a recent email to the church, referring to his retirement as a time of transition, which will allow the church to be preserved. He said this in the retirement announcement, a church like Denton Bible Church needs to always be, to always exist. A church that is fundamental, premillennial, Calvinistic, dispensational, disciple-focused, elder-ruled, complementarian, and non-woke must continue. Logan Nyquist will be taking Nelson's place leading the church. He's currently the associate pastor, and he's going to increase in responsibility over time, and that's going to include filling the pulpit more often. Nelson did not give a specific date for his official retirement in his letter. He also said that the church is, quote, as strong as it has ever been. And a lot of people who heard that line did some reading between the lines as the church has come under some scrutiny in the past year for how it handled allegations of sexual abuse by one of its employees. Nelson claimed during a May 2022 sermon that the previous junior high youth director, Robert Shiflett, had deceived and used him. That same day, the church released a five-page report that included multiple incidents where Denton Bible Church was made aware of Shiflett's inappropriate behavior with middle school girls and confronted Shiflett, but took no further action. Uh, The report said, as soon as Denton Bible became aware of the federal investigation, they worked with those authorities. Uh, But the board acknowledged that it did make mistakes and apologized to victims. Based on a plea agreement, Shiflett was sentenced to 33 months in prison, and that was on two counts for sexually assaulting two girls during church youth trips. Um, But earlier this year in January, he was released from prison early based on good behavior after serving just 25 of those months. He currently lives in Weatherford, Texas, and will be a supervised registered sex offender for the remainder of his life. That according to a Fox News report. Warren, let's move on to our next story. Upward Sports is a ministry based out of South Carolina, um, and it helps churches build local children's sports programs. So like soccer and cheerleading and baseball, basketball, and it has a few others. Um, But that ministry has been making a few big transitions. 
Yeah, it sure has. And it's actually this, those uh, transitions, uh, particularly the sale of its corporate headquarters, that really came to our attention and caused us wanted to do a story about it. Uh, they sold their corporate headquarters and sports facility in South Carolina for $35 million. They had purchased the property in 2006 and built the headquarters and a distribution center there. Then about eight years later, they built its Star Center, 120,000 square foot sports complex, complete with six indoor basketball courts. That sounds like it would cost a lot of money. Yeah, it did. And that's what Upwards Executive Director Kevin Drake found out in the process. He spoke to our reporter, uh, Kim Roberts, and said that he had to take a hard look at each aspect of the ministry when he was promoted to the executive director role in 2020. And he found that the Star Center represented just a small portion of its ministry, but a big share of the ministry's attention and money. Now, after this sale, they'll be able to focus more on helping churches to build their own sports programs. And they're also looking at creating a grant request process for churches that want to offer sports outreaches. Now, looking back, Upward Sports took a really big hit during the pandemic. It did. The COVID pandemic and the restrictions related to the way they could, you know, get together and play sports really did a number on the ministry. Drake said that league creation dropped 73% from the fall of 2020 to the fall of 2021. But revenue has picked back up since the pandemic has subsided and upwards saw an 85% increase in participation in the most recent year. And now Upward currently has 220,000 children across the country involved in its outreach programs and has recruited 420 new church partners just over the past 24 months. Yeah, Drake uh, says that about 50% of the kids involved in their sports leagues are actually not a part of the churches where the league is being held, showing how sports ministry can really be an effective way to engage the local community. Now, for another big transition with that ministry, um, Upward Sports is also expanding to begin a sports program for adults. That's right. It had been mostly, as you know, we've suggested, focused on kids, but they recently acquired Run for God Ministries, which they are now renaming Upward Running. It will help churches offer uh, Couch to 5K and similar running clubs for adults. On top of group running activities, the weekly meetings will also include a Bible study. Now, by the way, Upwards has a donor confidence score of 100 from Ministry Watch. That's our very top score. We really don't give a lot of 100s, I got to tell you honestly. Uh, It also earns an A transparency grade and has a three-star financial efficiency rating. Well, let's look at one more story before the break. A family of four is going to prison for creating a fake church that received more than a million dollars in donations by promoting its miracle mineral solution. Instead of curing COVID, it led to cases of illness and hospitalization and even death, because the solution actually contained industrial bleach. Florida man Mark Grennan and his three adult sons, Joseph, Jonathan, and Jordan, have been found guilty of conspiring to defraud the United States by distributing an unapproved and misbranded drug. 
Now, Mark and Joseph Grennan were also found guilty of contempt of court, and they were sentenced to 151 months in prison. Jonathan and Jordan Grennan were sentenced to 60 months. Officials said that the Grennan family founded the Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing, but it wasn't religious, it wasn't a church at all. They did they formed it as a church, though, to avoid government regulation of uh, their organization and shield themselves from prosecution as they marketed their chlorine dioxide solution. Uh, according to photos, the family packaged their solution in an unsanitary shed in Bradenton, Florida, surrounded by large drums of sodium chloride powder uh, that were labeled as toxic for humans. The powder is typically used for treating paper pulp and industrial water treatment. And unsuspecting customers who ingested their product risked becoming sick with severe vomiting, diarrhea, and then even life-threatening low blood pressure. Following a previous civil suit, the family ignored court orders demanding that they stop selling the solution and threatened the presiding federal judge. They said that if forced to stop selling, they would pick up guns and instigate a Waco. In addition, Mark and Joseph Grennan sought to avoid punishment by taking off for Colombia, um, but Colombia extradited them back to the United States. The Grennan family had previously claimed their miracle mineral solution healed various forms of cancer, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, and even HIV AIDS. They also offered an ID card that could be used for religious exemption to the COVID-19 vaccine. Warren, we need to take a break, but when we return, Awana, a once popular staple of American churches, is now active abroad. I'm Christina Darnell, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and we'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hey, everybody, Warren Smith here, interrupting the podcast for a brief minute to let you know that uh, we have a a new gift to share with anyone who makes a donation to Ministry Watch during the month of October. It's called 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry. Now, this is a document that we actually produced in conjunction with Calvin Edwards and Company and the Strategic Resource Group uh, probably about a year ago, but we now have beautiful printed copies of this booklet. Uh, And uh, I'd love to send you a copy. Just make a donation to Ministry Watch anytime during the month of October. And uh, you will get a free copy of that booklet as our thank you gift. I use that booklet every day here at Ministry Watch to ask some of the important and occasionally tough questions that we have to ask of ministries. And I strongly recommend that if you are a regular donor to Christian Ministries, that this is a booklet that you need to have. And uh, it's designed to be like a checklist that you can go through And some of the questions may not be as important to you as others, but I think all of them are worth considering. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page, and uh, you'll have our thanks. Welcome back. I am Christina Darnell, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. 
Our next story is about a ministry that was active in the midweek services of American churches for generations. But with the decline of Wednesday night services, the group has had to look for other ways to grow. That ministry is Awana. Many people remember Awana as a Wednesday night program with uniforms and a handbook. And while it still exists today, in fact, it's in about 8,100 churches in the United States, only about 10% of the children that are being discipled through Awana today are actually in the U.S. It's reaching about 5.7 million children across the world each week. Now, according to Awana's recently released Global Impact Study, adults who participated in Awana as children are 26% more likely to attend weekly worship and 45% more likely to share their faith with others than American Christians generally. And that's why Awana believes that discipleship of children is so vital. Awana began in 1950 as the acronym AWANA, taken from 2 Timothy 2.15, approved workmen are not ashamed. In January of 2022, Matt Markins became the CEO of Awana. He has worked for the ministry for over a decade and brings an emphasis on research and innovation, at least according to Vice President Kevin Orris, who talked to us for this story. The former CEO is Valerie Bell, and she's still engaged with Awana. And Orris said it was an amicable transition. India is currently the country that has the most Awana programs, but Oris expects the numbers in Zimbabwe to grow rapidly over the next five years. Awana has an opportunity to put its clubs in every public school in Zimbabwe. Up next, an update on a story that we've been following for a couple of years now. Five women are suing Operation Underground Railroad founder Tim Ballard, and they're accusing him of sexual assault and claiming that he used psychological and spiritual manipulation to coerce, coerce them into sexual conduct. Ballard, many of you, our listeners may remember, Christina, is the hero portrayed in the hit movie Sound of Freedom, but he resigned from the anti-trafficking uh, nonprofit Operation Underground Railroad back in June shortly before the movie came out. The movie, by the way, raked in more than $200 million at the box office. Now, Ministry Watch first reported on Ballard's sudden departure from OUR in July, but he then went on to start the Spear Fund, which is also aimed at ending human trafficking. The women who filed their lawsuit this week were former OUR workers, some of them fellow Mormons. Tim Ballard is a Mormon. The suit names both OUR and the Spear Foundation as defendants, claiming that the leaders knew of the abuse but declined to discipline uh, Tim Ballard because he had become such a popular figure, a rock star, so to speak, and the chief fundraiser for the organization. Now, both Ballard and OUR have denied the current allegations. The suit claims that Ballard promoted a technique called couples ruse that called for women who worked for OUR to pretend that they were married to Ballard in order to ensnare sex traffickers. In some cases, he flew workers to be with him so that they could develop what the suit calls sexual chemistry 
necessary to pull off uh, this deception. Warren, we're going to take another break, but when we return, our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Christina Darnell with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hey everybody, Warren Smith once again. Just to remind you that during the month of October, we'll send you a copy of our booklet, 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry for a gift of any size to Ministry Watch. Uh, I, I do need to tell you too that October is often a slow month for us. So, I mean, it's kind of before the November, December year-end stuff. So if you've been thinking about giving to Ministry Watch, now would be a great time to do so. We would be very grateful and we'll send you this really valuable resource, 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button top of the page. Welcome back. I'm Christina Darnell with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Warren, we'd like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. So what do you have for us first? Well, Tim Keller, the evangelical Christian theologian and pastor who died earlier this year, and Catholic nun Sister Norma Pimentel, known for her work with migrants, have been chosen by a Christian organization to be the first recipients of its Civic Renewal Award. The awards are being given by the Center for Christianity and Public Life, a group founded last year by Michael Ware, a former official with the with President Barack Obama's administration. And the organization that he's founded is dedicated to furthering the credibility of Christian resources for the public good. Offered at the group's inaugural summit next month, the prize will honor Christians who show exemplary contributions to the health and well-being of their communities and the nation. Warren, in light of the war taking place in Israel and Gaza, last week you talked about a ministry doing work there and gave a brief summary of what to look for in ministries providing relief support to victims in Israel and the surrounding area. Um, But this week, you dig into that a bit deeper. That's right. Earlier this week, we published a guide for those watching the news with the horrific scenes coming from Israel and Gaza. And we know a lot of you are asking, how can I help? Uh, When crisis hits around the world, American Christians, in fact, are often the first in line, and that's a very good thing. However, the Bible does say that we're to love God with all of our mind as well as our hearts. And at times like these, we should definitely be engaging both our minds and our hearts because there are far too many bad actors out there that will use disaster or crisis Uh, to fill their coffers. Uh, That's why the need to do something and do something now must be tempered with both wisdom and discernment. So then what are some of your tips um, for people wanting to give to Israeli relief efforts? 
Yeah, the first thing I would mention is to beware of matching gifts. Now, matching gifts can be legitimate. At Ministry Watch, we're not opposed to matching gifts in principle, but they are often used in times of crisis as schemes to heighten the sense of urgency and to get people to give without really thinking through what they're doing. Also, look for ministries that have already been doing work in that area for years, ministries who have what we call boots on the ground. Uh, Too often, a ministry will say, oh, there's a crisis in a country and they can raise money off of it, but they don't actually know how to spend that money effectively in that country. Um, There are a lot of ministries that are already working in Israel, and we've got a list of those. I know we'll talk about that in a minute, Christina. Third, look for ministries who tell you specifically where the money is going, uh, both in the initial fundraising request as well as later when they are reporting on what they've done. Um, Stay in touch with the ministry if you give them money so you can see those reports on an ongoing basis and make sure that, you know, if they promise to send the money, for example, to for medical supplies in Israel, that that's actually where the money went and that they're providing reports that provide evidence that that's where the money went. And then lastly, do a little homework yourself uh, when you're looking to support a ministry. One place to go, of course, is right here at Ministry Watch. Our database gives um, a donor confidence score, a financial efficiency rating, and a transparency grade. We argue that those things matter just as much in times of in times of crisis as at other times. Uh, in fact, often in a time of crisis, um, it will cause a weak organization to break. So make sure you're giving to strong organizations. Well, with that in mind, are there certain ministries that we are able to recommend? There are, and I would uh, strongly recommend that our listeners go to our website. We've got an article that uh, actually has a little bit of information about the ministries that I'm about to mention. But uh, for today, for purposes of the podcast, I'm just going to mention the names of these ministries that um, we think are worth giving to. One is the Joshua Fund, founded by uh, Joel Rosenberg, the Israel in Crisis Fund, the Middle East Bible Outreach, all have high ratings in our database base, and they already have connections and partners in Israel. They've been working there for years. There are a handful of other organizations that are just really large and have a global reach and that you can have confidence in, such as, for example, Operation Blessing and World Vision. Uh, You can go to, again, our website and click on the story called A Guide to Giving to Support Israel, and we'll have a whole list there, a complete list there. Now, we also have a list of ministries that we wish we could recommend, uh, but don't. Yeah, that's right. Ministries like Bridges for Peace, One Mission Society, and the International Fellowship for Christians and Jews. Um, That's an organization I've actually written quite a bit about in the past for a variety of reasons, and those reasons vary from ministry to ministry, though I have explained why in our story. We just can't say with confidence that you should give money to these ministries. So be careful if you get emails from them and urgent appeals. Make sure you check them out against our list first. Well, moving on, Warren, who did we highlight in this week's Ministries Making a Difference? 
Well, by we, Christina, I'm sure you mean you because you write that column for us each week. But uh, thanks for the privilege of, uh, of highlighting uh, the ministries that you researched this week. One is Eastern Nazarene College, which is near Boston. They've been providing short-term housing for refugees through its Family Welcome Center. The center includes more than 55 rooms and three apartments with play areas and laundry machines. Uh, the program has allowed the Eastern Nazarene College students to participate through internships. Uh, they ma- help manage agencies and service projects. Uh, they organize donation drives and assemble playground equipment. Also want to mention the National Black Fellowship, which is a part of the Assemblies of God denomination. They launched uh, Mandate for Life back in April. It's a new initiative aimed at slashing the high rates of abortion among black American women by taking a holistic womb-to-tomb approach, encouraging abstinence, providing counseling for pregnant and post-abortive mothers, parenting training, and a whole lot more. Uh, They're also working to establish life centers and affordable housing for women. Um, Any others? Yeah, there are a couple more I'd like to mention. Every Child Ministries is supporting grandmothers in Uganda who are raising their grandchildren, which is unfortunately a common occurrence there, uh, often as a result of tragedy or uh, disease or other poverty conditions. Started in 2010, The Way Home is a missionary project of Every Child Ministries, and it provides grannies with vocational training such as farming, hair braiding, and carpentry work. And I also want to mention Heart for Lebanon, uh, which is also being affected these days by what's happening in Israel and the Gaza Strip. Uh, They're working to fill the gap created by school closures in Lebanon. Most public schools remain closed there, and private school tuition has spiked as a result. So Heart of Lebanon is providing alternatives through its non-formal educational project for at-risk kids, an afternoon program for students that are struggling academically, and uh, scholarship programs. Now, I want, want to mention that Heart of Lebanon has uh, an A transparency grade from Ministry Watch and a donor confidence score of 96 out of 100. Those are both top scores. That means you can give to this organization with confidence. Warren, any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, a couple. You know, we've been talking about the ratings of uh, ministries a a lot in this week's episode, Christina, and I I think it's important for our listeners to know that we get these ratings by asking a series of questions, and we have compiled those questions into a booklet called 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry. We'll send you this booklet as our thank you for a gift to Ministry Watch during the month of October. This is a a great tool for Christian donors. As I said, we use the questions that are in this booklet every day to help us evaluate ministries that are instrumental in coming up with our donor confidence score. So we'd love for, you know, our listeners, for you to be able to make the same kind of determinations by having this kind of a tool in your hands. To get your copy, just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen Dubarry, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Sedeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Kim Roberts, Steve Raby, Jack Jenkins, and you, Warren. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.